Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awakening Universal Minds. My name is Brother Beniti. I want to welcome everybody to the show. It is June 8th, 2017. Uh, so we'd like to welcome everybody to the show. Um, everybody, when you get a chance, might want to wish our Brother Ravana Noon a happy belated birthday. His birthday was the 6th. Um, my birthday will be Saturday the 10th. Season of the Geminis. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, so we welcome everybody to the show. Um, for those that are new, we'll try to keep this short and simple. Um, if, if it's your first time here, this is an occult. Black magic, African witchcraft, sorcery, added to the black arts, etc. Left-hand path, origin of ancient Egypt. These are the topics uh, that we talk about on the show. It is not a religious show. Uh, we're not interested in your personal faith and belief. Uh, if you're here for that, wrong show. Uh, we do not you know, subscribe or promote one particular ideology, uh, dogma, doctrine. We do not uh, you know, subscribe to one individual having all the answers to all the truth. So if you're also here to promote a group organization or some leader, uh, again, this is the wrong show for you. Um, this is a show, uh, and it's a, it's a radio show that deals with path of self-mastery, um, path of perfecting yourself, uh, of creating your own path. Um, and in that process, that branches off into many different aspects and avenues. There is no limitations uh, when you work this uh, spiritual system. Um, so we just want to make that crystal clear. Um, as far as the things that we talk about on the show, uh, myself, Brother Ravana Noon, uh, you will hear us talk about or mention or make reference to uh, a multitude of esoterical, um, fraternal, and different uh, orders that have been in existence for long periods of time, such as the Masonic Order, uh, such as Order Templi Orientis or OTO, some know Shriners, uh, the Rosicrucian Order, uh, the Martinists. Uh, you'll hear us talk about uh, other spiritual systems, African spiritual systems such as Ifa, Palo, etc. Uh, we're talking from these things from experience, um, and that's one one thing that the show or, or the precept of the show is built around. Um, we figured it would be good to do a show and talk about these topics, but share our experiences in these fields, not because we want you to emulate them or or duplicate them. Or, or do exactly as we do, but so you can take that information for yourself and, and look into it on your own, you know, on your own level and apply it as need be. So we're not trying to tell anybody, one, first and foremost, that they need to join any of these orders or, or cultural spiritual systems. Uh, we do encourage you, if you tend to take the path that you want to teach on these systems, then we do believe you need to be initiated and have some experience in, in some of these particular areas. Uh, one of the things that inspired us to do this show is over the last several years, there's just a lot of people out there that are full of shit, point blank. There's no other way to put it. Um, people just teaching out their ass because they read a few books or, you know, got a few conspiracy theory videos on YouTube or the Internet, and now all of a sudden they're, they're, they're uh, experts or, or, or scholars in these areas. Um, so that's, that's again, that's that's one of the things we – really pride ourselves on the show doing 
is coming from an experienced perspective. Uh, so that's what the show is about. Just want to make that crystal clear. If it's your first time here or you stumbled across it by accident, uh, we just want to make sure you understand what the subject matter is about. Uh, having said that, I will bring in Ravana Noon. <clears throat> All right. Uh, greetings, everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a cold, everybody, so bear with me tonight. But um, this, uh, as Brother Benini was saying, uh, this show definitely um, deals more with the darker aspects of the occult, definitely deals more with um, things related to what people term the left-hand path, whether it's left-hand or whatever point you want to direct it to. It's simply a path that against the norm of what society has conditioned and programmed people's mind to be. In other words, it makes you challenge yourself in every little aspect of your life. Uh, traditionally, we um, on this on this world or society stage, we're usually trying to make excuses or thanking God or blaming the devil for our successes or failures. But on the left-hand path, you take responsibility for your success and especially your failures. Left-hand path is about facing yourself, facing the darker aspects of yourself, not acting like it's an illusion or doesn't exist. When we all have darker aspects of ourselves that is deeply buried within, and we bury it purposely so that we can survive or exist in this society. If you're not able to hold a mirror up to your own face and deal with your bullshit, your issues, your traumas, dramas, then this is definitely not the show for you. You need to exit stage left. If uh, it is the show for you and you feel that you can deal with this, then uh, let's take it forward and let's deal with it. Peace. All right. I appreciate that, Brother Romano. Um, uh, real quick, before we begin, I'll, I'll make these announcements uh, here in the early portion of the show, and then I will also make these announcements uh, later in the show towards the end um, as a reminder. Uh, just want to remind folks of the upcoming events. Uh, for the next two weeks. Uh, the drumming that we had scheduled uh, on the beach uh, last week due to all the rainy weather, as you know, we canceled that this past Saturday and postponed it and moved it up till June 17th. Uh, so that will be the uh, date uh, for the uh, drumming for this month. That will be Saturday, June 17th. Uh, at 7.30 p.m., Pompano Beach, which is in North Fort Lauderdale, or Atlantic Boulevard in A1A. Uh, all are welcome to attend. You can bring family, friends. It's an open event, uh, so feel free if you're in the area or if you or if you live here, uh, anyone can attend. Uh, the following week, uh, which is uh, Friday, June 23rd, uh, is going to be a really good ritual. Uh, we have upcoming uh, invocation of the Holy Death. That's going to be Friday, June 23rd. 7.30 p.m., please be on time uh, and dress accordingly. Proper dress code, all black, preferably a black robe. If you don't have a black robe, that's okay. Uh, if you're a female, uh, you can wear a black dress. You can wear slacks and a blouse. Uh, if you're a man and you don't have a black robe, uh, you can wear black pants and a black shirt. Uh, no jeans, no T-shirts, and no shorts. Um, after the event is over, when we kind of go out and hang out and eat, you feel free to change into that stuff, but you cannot wear that stuff for the ritual. Uh, just want to be crystal clear on that. And then the next day, uh, which will be the 24th of June, Saturday, 7.30 p.m., also at uh, Cultural Expressions in Hollywood, Florida, 
myself and Brother Ravana Noon will be doing a class on just on <clears throat> destruction and reconstruction. Uh, Want to make that crystal clear uh, for those two events. If you need any information on those events, uh, you can email me at khnum19 at gmail.com. Again, that's the email right here for the radio station. If you need any information on the aforementioned events, khnum19 at gmail.com, kanum19 at gmail.com. And again, we just want to stress the dress code for the ritual strictly enforced. Uh, we will turn individuals away. Uh, when, we're, you know, when we're doing uh, collective ritualistic work, ceremonially as a group, um, unison is important. Uh, it's a little different when you're doing an individual, but for these type of workings, uh, it's important to be on the same page from the physical aspect of dress code on up. Uh, but we'll, you, you'll, you'll learn that more as you go along and participate in the rituals, which leads us to tonight's subject. Now that we've got the uh, preliminaries out of the way, uh, and again, I'll make those announcements uh, again before we go off the air. Uh, and we're going to stay within our strict time frame. Uh, we're trying to get good at that, uh, keep it to a two-hour uh, maximum. Uh, chaos magic um, shows this topic. Uh, we have not really discussed this on this show. We have not really got into this in depth. Now, there's many different aspects of chaos magic, uh, many different forms, many different spiritual uh, systems. There's, there's uh, you know, many aspects of it. Now, in general, uh, it can be very intense. Um, so I want to get through, just go through some of the preliminaries of it to get uh, there's many books you can you can find on on uh, chaos magic. Uh, one book I'm going to make reference to a lot this evening. If you don't have this book and you are interested in learning about uh, chaos magic, um, it's not for the weak at heart. I'm going to tell you this, especially when it gets into some of the aspects of sex magic, which is there's a connection with the sex magic to uh, chaos magic. Uh, if you're quote unquote, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it for you. If you're a soft bitch, uh, don't read this book because some of the stuff in there might uh, pretty much not sit well with you. Um, the name of the book is Lieber No and Psychonaut, an introduction, uh, excuse me, an introduction to chaos magic by Peter J. Carroll. Um, it gets into all aspects of it. Um, it, it, it was, it's a good book to start with. Uh, the book came out I believe it was in, well, yeah, I mean, it should have been the mid to late 80s. Um, so, so keep in mind, a lot of this information is not new, okay? We're not talking about anything new. Um, actually, I believe the book was originally written in 78 and then redone in 87, I believe, uh, somewhere in that area. But you can find that information in the beginning of the book somewhere. Um, just in the symbols alone, when you look in the book, um, there's an aspect of chaos magic you will see. Uh, you will see the uh, Egyptian symbol of the raised arms, the pentagram, um, the two faces. You'll see the um, the wings of asset. Uh, you'll see the various different aspects uh, of the male, masculine and feminine energies, etc. There's this there's an aspect of the symbol magic that's used uh, heavily in this. But one thing that's real important in chaos magic when working. Uh, some of it, um, just some of the areas it covers, mind control, uh, dreaming, uh, evocation and invocation, which I want to start with, which is very important. 
uh, deviation, sorcery. Uh, we're not going to be able to get into all this. We might have to do two parts on this. Uh, transmogrification. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. Um, and another important aspect, which, by the way, is a term that the Catholic Church uses, which is not a coincidence, transubstantiation, which is literally changing the form of something, okay? Now, we're not just talking about physically. We're talking about taking something mental. Like, if you're, for an example, if you're working rituals um, and you're consecrating something or, or say, the, the liquid in your chalice uh, is symbolic or something, there's a point in that ritual where literally, where you've mentally charged it and literally changed it into whatever you want it to, to symbolize. Um, chaos magic, you will also find, is just in the term uh, that it says. It's sometimes it's on the fly. When th- this is kind of how, when you go into it, practice it, experience it, you'll find that you'll use, uh, it's very, again, it's very intense if, if, if you've used any of these techniques. Um, but you'll find there'll be a form of chaos magic where you'll just find yourself doing things on the fly, unplanned, uh, not even really thought out, kind of just you'll get a motivation to do something and you may not at the moment have an explanation for it or may not understand why all of a sudden you got the urge to carry this something out. Well, practicing the uh, chaos magic incites that motivation within you. All right, so what I want to start with real first, real quick, before we start a discussion on it. Let's go into evocation and invocation. The reason why I chose that, uh, sometimes I hear people, they get confused between the two. Some, some actually confuse them for being the same thing. I hate to say that. Um, there is a difference between evocation, spelled E-V-O-C-A-T-I-O-N, and invocation. All right? So we're going to start there real quick. Let's go to the evocation aspect first. All right? Evocation is the art of dealing with magical beings or entities by various acts which create or contact them and allow one to conjure and command them with packs and exorcisms. These beings have a legion of names drawn from the demonology of many cultures, elementals, familiars, incubi, succubi, budwills, demons, automata, atavisms, wraiths, spirits, and so on. Entities may be bound to talismans, Places, animals, objects, persons, incense, smoke, or be mobile to the ether. Now, I'm going to stop for a second. Just so, just so we're clear, okay, this is basically commanding or, or, or materializing or incarnating the aforementioned bands, spirits, etc. okay? Um, it is not the case that such entities are limited to obsessions and complexes in the human mind. Although such beings customarily have the origin in the mind, back up and say that again, you always hear us talking about all is mental, mental is all. Although such beings customarily have their origin in the mind. I bring that up because you always hear us talking about on the show that everything is mental and exists within the subconscious mind. Well, I want to clarify. We, well, why we say that is, is because you say, well, I have experiences that create the illusion that, you know, it's, it's outside of myself or it's separated from myself. The key is illusion. But remember what this says here. All of it has its origin in the mind. That's what we mean. I want to make that clear because some people sometimes have a hard time grasping that concept. Like, I don't understand. I had an experience and I saw a spirit and this and that. 
But again, the origin of it, origin of it, its beginnings always have its foundation in the subconscious mind. So that's what we mean when we say that, because some people uh, wrestle with that sometimes. They don't know how to put it into perspective, and it's it's hard for them to kind of, uh, you know, visualize. That's what we mean when we say that. This is important to understand with chaos magic because the chaos that you're really tapping into is the chaos that resides within you. You're conjuring up the very deep aspects of your mind, everything, not just the stuff on the surface that you're aware of or the stuff, I should say really more so, the stuff that you've created about yourself that you like. Uh, it challenges you to encounter, you know, what you would term maybe the twisted aspect of yourself or the aspect of yourself that's not considered quote-unquote mainstream normal. Um, it'll challenge you mentally, emotionally, sexually too. Um, I know a lot of people that have practiced chaos magic and, um, and unlocked a certain sexual energy within themselves uh, that they were not conscious that was there. Here's an interesting term. Okay, and um, let me continue on. It is, uh, okay, although such beings customarily have their origin in the mind, they may be butted off and attached to objects and places in the form of ghosts, spirits, or vibrations, or may exert action at a distance in the form of fetishes, familiars, or poltergeists. These beings consist of a portion of Kia or the life force. So if you drive a Kia, now you know what the word Kia means. You know where they came up with it. Uh, don't get spooked out, though. <laughs> Attached to the same etheric matter, and it's funny that they use the word etheric in this book. Now, again, this is, again, not a new term. Uh, you know, I've run into a lot of Nawapians you know, or Dr. Porkites that, that think they have something heavy there. This is something that's been taught for many years. The whole of which may or may not be attached to ordinary matter. Evocation may be further defined as the summoning or creation of such partial beings to accomplish some purpose. They may be used to cause change in oneself, change in others, or change in the universe. The advantages of using a semi-independent being rather than trying to affect a transformation directly by will are several. The entity will continue to fulfill its function independently of the magician until its life force dissipates. Being semi-sentient, it can adapt itself to a task in a way that a non-conscious symbol spell cannot. During moments of these possession by certain entities, the magician may be the recipient of inspirations, abilities, and knowledge not normally accessible to him or her. Um, now, you'll always see, and one symbol I keep above my altar all the time, is the symbol of Set holding the staff with the chaos symbol at the top. This is one of the most powerful forms of magic that you can practice. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not saying this, again, to spook people out, I'm not saying this to scare people, I'm not saying this because we feel we're more equipped or better than people. This is not some shit to fuck with. It's the best way I can put it to you if you feel you are not ready for it. Um, I've seen people f say they feel like they're ready for this, and nah, and it just makes things worse for them. Um, the energies are very intense when you when you use some of these systems, so one must prepare themselves for that. Um, they do carry effects, extended effects, well after you're done practicing some of these rituals. So it's not like it's just during the ritual, because the last part of what I just read there. It, it changes, it inspires and, and incites different energies and abilities within the magician. Uh, well, that 
kind of continues on well after you're done. It's like once you start to tap into it, uh, you need to also prepare yourself um, for some of those effects uh, and, and how you're going to put that uh, into perspective within yourself. Um, so before we continue on, I don't know if there's something you want to add to that, Brother Ravana Noon, on the uh, evocation. <clears throat> yeah, let me just um, say with that, uh, I use a quote from Carl Jung where he said, uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, then you will always be controlled and there will always be what be considered fate. Well, evocation is a necessary process. In other words, it's it's a process to, first of all, alter your state of consciousness that opens the doorway to make contact with um, entities or deities or whatever you want to call it that, first of all, <clears throat> emanated from your mind and then the collective unconscious gave power and force to it to make it uh, something that would be considered real by the masses, but the very few know it's really something in your mind. So when you alter your state of consciousness, what you're doing is essentially evoking these deities or beings or whatever you want to call them to do your bidding or your command. Because essentially it's you who is given the command because you are the central point or the key mind or figure behind it. You are what everything revolves around in your own personal universe. So as long as you always remember, the process of evocation is usually to alter your state of consciousness, to bring forth the unconscious, to be able to um, control the unconscious, which is a task humanity has been trying to do for a long time. Very few have actually figured it out. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, side Sidebar, did you see Gary Sanchez second home run? Yep, that's all. Right. <clears throat> on fire, bro. On fire. Yep. About time. Uh, yeah. Get him going. Be good. Uh, so, okay, yeah. Last part I want to read on that before we go to the invocation. Uh, you must have ESPN, brother, because you kind of just touched on the second part of this. All right, so it goes on to say, and this is important, and this is going to kind of piggyback off of what Ravana Noon just said. Entities may be drawn from three sources. Those who, those from three sources, those which are discovered, uh, they go second hit for judge, Clair, uh, clairvoyantly, those whose characteristics are given in grimoires of spirits and demons and those which the magician may wish to create himself. Here's the important part. In all cases, establishing a relationship with the spirit follows a similar process of evocation. Firstly, the attributes of the entity, its type, scope. This is all part of your intent now. Name, appearance, and characteristics Characteristics must be placed in the mind or made known to the mind. I want to say that again. Must be placed in the mind or made known to the mind. Remember, in the very beginning, all of it has its origin where? Outside yourself, in, in, in a temple, in some sacred place? No. All of it has its origin in the mind. In order to activate that, as it's saying here, you must make all of this known to the mind or you're wasting your time. Automatic drawing or writing where a stylus is allowed to move on to inspiration across the surface may help to uncover Mike, leave that label. May may help to uncover <clears throat> excuse me. May help to uncover uncover the nature of clairvoyantly discovered being. 
In the case of a created being, the following procedure is used. Pay attention to this. Now, we, I'm giving, we, we, we're going over literal formulas because people want to know how, to, how do I work magic. Now, remember, you could create these entities and beings for whatever purpose. Remember, it's said for a multitude of reasons. There's a part in here which I'm not going to get into tonight, stimulation on the sexual part. That's a whole show in itself, which eventually we're going to get to. Um, I'm telling you, be careful with that. Uh, that's not for, the, that's not for the, the pussy or the weak at heart. Um, all right, then it goes on to say um, the following procedure is used. The magician assembles the ingredients of a composite sigil of the being's desired attributes. I told you in the beginning, working with symbols, sigils, that's a very uh, a strong aspect in working with chaos magic. For example, to create an elemental to assist him with deviation, the appropriate symbols might be chosen and made into a sigil, and there's a figure here uh, in the book, which obviously people can't see. A name and an image, and if desired, a characteristic number can also be selected for the elemental. Secondly, the will and perception are focused intently as possible by some Gnostic method on the elemental sigils or characteristics so that these take on a portion of the magician's life force and begin autonomous existence. In the case of pre-existing beings, this operation serves to bind the entity to the magician's will. And then the last paragraph. This is customarily followed by some form of self-banishing or even exorcism to restore the magician's consciousness to normal before he goes forth. Now, I want to add this with the whole banishing thing. You've got to be careful when you read stuff like this because you're not banishing and removing anything. I want to make this crystal clear. Even though reading that can appear like that and sound like that, but remember, you're doing this because you want the magician's consciousness normal before he goes forth. What I look at when I approach banishing, because remember, again, all of its origin is in the mind. I'm not, I don't want to remove any energy because, remember, it, it mentioned vibrations earlier. You want all of these vibrations and these frequencies present. Because, remember, a true magician starts to discipline him or herself with knowing how to access these energies at the proper time for the proper reason. So more or less what you're doing is just preparing your sacred space for what needs to be done. So that's how I mentally approach banishing. The wicking aspect or the fluffy aspect of banishing, they will use terminologies, which in essence is very religious, that they are removing negative energy from their space. I've never approached it like that mentally. That's the worst way because a real adept of the black arts is not trying to eliminate any energy. All energy is good. All frequencies and vibrations are good. You just need to know which ones to access at the right time. Because you might hear that statement and say, no, that can't be true. Because there is some bad energy. Well, it's only bad energy because you've tapped into the vibration and frequency of it as being negative for a particular reason. And usually that reason that's shaped and determined that that energy, quote-unquote, might be bad to you is because there's a certain situation going on and you are defining it as that. You'll learn, you'll, you're going to learn as you go down the path and discipline yourself. You're going to find that it's all the same thing but just different aspects of it. And again, you go back to the sacred wisdom of Tahuti and the doctrine of vibration uh, will kind of explain that in detail. So this is very important. So as far as the banishing thing, 
don't look at it from a white magic Wiccan perspective because that's the that's more of a religious and incorrect way to look to look at it. Okay, the last paragraph: an entity of a low order, with little more than a singular task to, to perform, can be left to fulfill its destiny with no further interference from its master. If at any time it is necessary to terminate it, its its sigil or material basis should be destroyed and its mental image destroyed or reabsorbed by visualization. I want to talk about this for a second. For more powerful and independent beings, the conjuration and exorcism must be in proportion to the power of the ritual which originally evoked them. To control such beings, the magician may have to re-enter the Gnostic state to the same depth as before in order to draw their power. Now, people always ask, when you summon these energies, how do you, how do you get rid of them, or how do you put them back in its proper context? Because you really, technically, that's the wrong term. You're not getting rid of anything. But how do you put it back uh, where it needs to be stored until proper time? Because the sigil, which symbolically, as you create it, say if you're using the elemental, by destroying the elemental and the image, it's not that you're completely destroying that energy. What you're basically doing is from taking it from your subjective and connecting it to your objective, you're putting it back in the subjective till you need to reaccess it. This is what it's talking about. Now, a lot of people tend to evoke and bring things in, but they never know or they don't properly close it out. And that's just as important. Um, so I'll make that crystal clear when dealing with evocation. Uh, so, Brother Rabana Noon, uh, before we go on to the invocation, is there something you want to add to that last section there? Sure. Um, with the evocation, uh, essentially, I think. Uh, People have to get away from the mindset of what's uh, wrong or right, what are the right beings to use or the wrong beings, because you can work with anything. If your mind can create it, you can use it. Let me say that again. If your mind can create it, you can use it. So regardless if you feel like, oh, well, my mind created or, you know, the unconscious mind created these demons or whatever, it was still emanating from your mind. And if you can uh, create that, then you can command it and utilize it for however you choose, for whatever purpose, for whatever intention you have. Uh, However, with the banishing, people uh, do have this wicked white magic religious mentality when it comes to banishing as if there's all these bad beings and negative energy that's going to hurt them and attack them. But don't they ever think that when you're banishing, uh, you're not just getting rid of the things that shouldn't be there, you're also getting rid sometimes of the things that should be there, And if that's what you believe. Because when you're banishing, you're clearing essentially any energy that's there. Now, you may say, oh, I'm only clearing <clears throat> negative energy. No, you're not. You're clearing anything that's there. A lot of times people go overboard with the banishing, and then they wonder, why can't right. I contact or make connection with these spirits or these demons or whatever. Because you essentially just cleanse or banish everything in sight, and now there's no working in your ritual. There's no connection or contact because people are going overboard with that. They're not really understanding. And then uh, you mentioned the sigils, and I just want to share this with the sigils. Now, understand something. Your unconscious mind, I'm calling subconscious, whatever, does not use the same language we use every day. It does not right. speak English, Spanish, or anything else. It 
the language of the subconscious or unconscious mind is symbols. That is essentially what you are utilizing when you use sigils. And basically, the sigil is used to trick your conscious mind. We've said this on the show various times. You have to trick your conscious mind because the conscious mind is the distracted mind, easily gets distracted, um, focuses on things that are not really relevant at the time. So what you do when you create a sigil is you're tapping into the subconscious, programming that symbol there and the meaning behind it, and then you take that meaning or symbol don't look at it. In other words, you create a sigil, you put it there, and then you don't really focus on that symbol. Let it do what it's supposed to do through your subconscious, unconscious mind, creating the effects into the objective world from your subjective world. So sigils and and uh, vives or vives, uh, fidmas or what they, um, you know, any symbols are all utilized to trick your subconscious mind. So the meaning, I mean, trick your conscious mind so the meaning can sit in your subconscious mind. So when you're doing the ritual, you actually are altering your consciousness to tap into those meanings and reprogramming your mind to create a better effect in this world, your objective world, from what you're trying to intend from your subjective world. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, just, just real quick, uh, looks like we might be having one of those uh, nice uh, people having a hard time getting in. I'm getting some uh, emails and stuff. Uh, I'm not sure what the problem is. I did notice for a little bit it was light here. Um, I know some have signed in multiple times to sign back out. Um, again, unfortunately, once in a while this happens. It's it's uh, something technical that we really have no control over. Uh, the best thing I can tell you is if you some people saying the pen's not working, and this happens once in a while here on TalkShoe. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is just keep signing out, keep trying to sign back in. I know some people have tried that multiple times, and eventually they were able to get in. Um, sometimes what happens is you call, and it, for whatever reason it says, pin is no good even if you're just putting that one pound in uh not sure what that is couldn't tell you just that's something with their system um one thing i can tell you here that i know sometimes happens we've been getting a lot of rainy weather on and off uh been cloudy and that sometimes i've noticed that this tends to frequently happen when there's uh you know bad patches of weather here on the east coast, uh, whether it's you know here where we're located in Florida, going up the coast, et cetera. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it has something to do with with you know with the weather and the Wi-Fi. Um, again, can't prove that, but I'm just th- throwing that out there as a possible theory. So I, I am aware. I see people sending that information to me. Uh, that's the best thing I can I can tell you. Um, if you can't get in, as I tell people all the time when this happens once in a while, the show is archived. You can access uh, the show after it's uh, finished. It usually loads within the, within the first 15, 20 minutes uh, once the uh, show is off the air. So, again, if you're having difficulties getting in, uh, we apologize for that. Uh, but, unfortunately, we ain't got no control over that. All right, I just wanted to address that. Um, all right, so we went over the evocation. I hope that's crystal clear. Um, and you touched on a lot of stuff, uh, Ravonna, known especially, like you said, um, one of the most important things you said is the subconscious mind has its own language. We talked about, again, 
uh, a multitude of times on the show with symbols and how symbols communicate uh, a multitude of levels of consciousness to the subconscious mind. That symbol emanates or represents uh, a certain aspect of consciousness. And like you said, uh, you know, you use the term, it's kind of a way to trick the uh, conscious mind into recognizing it. Um, and it's the same way, like we've talked about on the show, how advertisers use uh, certain symbols in commercials and ads, et cetera. It's the same process. Uh, whether you're aware of it or not, the subconscious mind is, is automatically trained to react. You can think of any product. Uh, um, you see a logo. Uh, most companies have logos. You automatically see the logo. The logo may not even have the full company name on it, but when you see that logo, you automatically, the mind registers the name of the company. I'm using that just as an example. Uh, well, use that very simple example, and it's the same way when you're working magic. When you're looking at that sigil or symbol, it's automatically going to register to the mind what it's supposed to represent. Um, so it's very important to understand that uh, and be able to work within, it, within those parameters, okay? And now we're going to go, now that we've established the evocation, um, I think what's very important is now, and this is probably, uh, I, don't, well, I don't want to put it in the category what's more important or not, uh, leads us to the invocation, all right? The ultimate invocation, that of Kia, not the car that you drive, so term for life, cannot be performed. The paradox is that as Kia has no dualized quality, there are no attributes by which to invoke it. To give it one quality is merely to deny it another. And as an observant dualistic being, one said, I am that I'm not. Now, you got to go back to when we were in the Emerald Tablets of Tehuti, when we were going over uh, alchemy for personal transformation, when it was breaking down different aspects of the one thing. And there was a part in there that always stood out to me. We went over it on the show a while back. By naming, you, here, here's the thing, you, to give it one quality is merely to deny it another, okay? If you say one in the sense, but here's the thing, it goes to say by naming gods, you create what? Other gods. You understand? And this was, this was explaining how you can't condense this into a little a, a, a box. Now, most people don't realize that, but when you're doing that, you are actually carrying out this process. So when it says the one thing, it doesn't mean in a sense that, as it's saying here, that what religious people will try to do is negate the, the dynamics of this aspect. They'll try to say that there's one being that's, that controls every aspect of everything. And that's, that's what this is saying. You can't do that. Because if you do that, you are simply denying it another. All right, then it goes on to say, I am that I'm not. Nevertheless, the magician may need to make some rearrangements or additions to what he is, or she in this case. Metamorphosis may be pursued by seeing that which one is not and transcending both in mutual annihilation. Alternatively, the process of invocation may be seen as adding to the magician's psyche any elements which are missing. It is true that the mind must be finally surrendered as one fully enters into chaos. I'm going to stop right there. This is where people really get stuck like Chuck. Okay? The mind must 
be finally surrendered as one enters fully into chaos. Now, here's where, here's where the problem comes in. These are your people that are stuck in trying to intellectualize everything. They're trying to figure out everything before they do it. They're trying to place information and explanations on everything before they carry it out. Well, you can't do that with chaos magic because the term chaos is just what it is. There's no particular order to chaos. The only order that comes out of the chaos is how you assimilate that chaos, and that's going to vary from individual to individual because everybody's chaos is different. Do you understand this? But in order to tap into your inner chaos, you must completely surrender the mind. What does that mean? Stop doing shit and trying to always have it prefigured out before you set out to do it. Because you're limiting yourself. You're never going to reach that point of tapping into that pure chaos. Because when you, when you go in with reckless abandonment, not, and again, when I say reckless abandonment, you're aware because you've set out to do this. So there is an awareness level to an extent. But when you're trying to be conscious of everything, you're just negating the whole experience. Because trust me, that chaos is going to raise a certain level of self-realization. Now, it may not be the realization you may have had preconceived notions about. And that's where the disappointment comes in. Because you might, stuff might start to come to the surface or be revealed in that chaos. Uh, that you may not feel comfortable with, that you may not want to deal with, because you might have painted this picture about yourself that you're so spiritual and righteous and you're so knowledgeable and you've built your ego up. Now, again, ego is a good thing and ego is a bad thing. Ego is what protects you. Ego is what keeps you sharp. Ego is what keeps you motivated and moving forward. Those are good things. But ego, you can be a jackass with your ego, too, when you become hypocritical or, or you become arrogant, arrogant to the point where you've created all these illusions that I just aforementioned because most people like to think that they are the shit. Let's, let's, let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100. But when you tap into this particular spiritual system, you just might find out you're not the shit that you thought you were. And a lot of stuff can come to the surface, shit when you were a child, shit that you thought was long buried many, many, many years ago. And then here you are, a grown-ass man or woman in your 30s or 40s or 50s, and you realize the psychological effect that this has had on you on an emotional level and a spiritual and a mental level. And this all comes to the surface. But if one truly wants to go to work on themselves, you must surrender, let the mind surrender in the sense, let it be free and experience the experience that is coming from you working these rituals. Stop going into it, planning it, and figuring this is not how the spiritual path works. It's not like doing a external rituals, uh, 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 just some type of ceremony that never changes, something that's passed down from generation to generation. It's done the same way all the time. That's not what this is. If, if you're looking for something safe like that or to stay within comfortable parameters, then this is not the right thing for you. I'm just going to keep it 100% with you. Um, so that's important to understand uh, when dealing with the invocation. So I want to make sure that, again, 
One must be finally surrendered. One must finally be finally surrendered. One is fully into the chaos, but be a complete and balanced psychocosmum is more easily surrendered. Meaning, if you are somebody that has built yourself up, you've disciplined yourself, you've got now the experience, you're spiritually connected to the aforementioned things that we talked about in the evocation. The discipline's there. So what is this basically saying? I use the word psychocosm, what we say all the time. If you're fucked up in the head, this is not the shit you want to practice. Remember, before setting out to practice a lot of these spiritual systems, you must be of sound mind and sound body. This is what this is saying. So don't just get up one day and go, oh, I want to practice chaos magic, but you've got psychological issues. You've got chemical and hormone imbalances. You're dealing with depression or you got some other trauma that you haven't addressed. So this is saying one must be complete, a complete and balanced psychocosm. Because if you are, then it's easy to just surrender and engulf yourself in the, in the ritual and the experience and, and, and not be the aforementioned. This is important. This is why we, we even had Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum. He talked on the show a couple of times from a medical standpoint, him being a doctor, he talked about the, the, you know, the pros and cons of practicing some of these spiritual systems. Uh, he talked about if, if one does have medical issues, say mental issues, et cetera, uh, it can be very detrimental and, and, and not productive for an individual. So, you know, just wanted to throw that part in there. I, the magical process of shuffling beliefs and desires, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Is that your phone, Rabano? No. Is that you? Shouldn't be my. Oh man. No. I got, pro- I got a problem with your phone now. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, I went away. I don't know what they got going on on this on this thing tonight. All right. All right. So let me go in. Let me go in and continue the magical process of shuffling beliefs uh, and desires attendant upon the process of invocation also demonstrates that one's dominant obsessions or personality are quite arbitrary and hence more easily banished. There are many maps of the mind, psychocosms, most of which are inconsistent, this is important right here, contradictory, and based on highly fanciful theories, your your fucking illusions. Many use the symbology of God forms for all mythology and bodies of psychology. A complete mythic pantheon resumes all of man's mental characteristics. Magicians will often use a pagan pantheon of gods as the basis for invoking some particular insight or ability, as these myths provide the most explicit and development formulation of the particular idea's extant. However, it is possible to use almost anything from the archetypes of the collective unconscious to the elemental qualities of alchemy. We just talked about that earlier. Ravana Noon touched on that. You can, you can use almost anything you so desire to create any of these magical entities. And notice it used the word archetypes because, again, in this path, I want to stress that. We've talked about that a multitude of times. When you're working this type of magic, a black magician doesn't worship anything externally, doesn't give homage, doesn't bow down or make prayers to these symbolic deities. That's what an archetype is. It represents a certain aspect of consciousness and energy. You should only work with archetypes on that basis. So if you have an altar set up with the Egyptian deities, 
If you're if you have a Tahuti on your altar, you're not worshiping Tahuti. You're focusing on what Tahuti represents in your rituals, which is knowledge and wisdom and intellect. If you're dealing with a Nubu, you're 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 working on the aspect of his connection to what we know as the afterlife. I hate to use that word because it sounds gay and religious, but you're working on the connection with the dead, the connection to that next state that we're all going to obtain. That's what the Anubu energy represents. If you're working with Shed, it's pure chaos, isolated consciousness, Sekhmet. You're working with an archetype that is completely annihilating any obstacles in your path, a fierce warrior energy. If you're working with Kali, you can work with a vampire sex aspect of Kali. You can work with a, a warrior, very violent aspect of Kali. Same thing. Kali just clears shit out of your path. This is how a magician works with archetypes. This is how a magician incarnates these particular energies based on what they represent. We're not graveling in front of statues. We're not, oh, Ra, the most high. That's all fucking religion. Now, you may not think so. There's so many people that claim to be conscious, but they're just more highly spiritual Christians. That's all they are. Because they still look at, quote, unquote, this conscious thing as a religion. And they're just not conscious of it. So we don't do that. Uh, not on this path. That, 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 that is completely eliminated. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, and again, it's not for everybody. We, we said that in the very beginning of the show. This is not a spiritual system for everybody. It's, it's you know, it's, you got to be cut out for this. You got to have a certain mentality for it. Um, and we know this, and this is why we, we say this frequently, regularly. Um, this is not something you just get up and say, this is what I, you know, this is what I want to do. You have to have a certain mind for it. Um, and that's, that's entirely on the individual. All right. Then it goes on to say, if the magician taps to a deep, in, deep enough level of power, these forms may manifest with sufficient force to convince the mind of the objective existence of the God. All right. Now, notice it said the objective. So now what you've done, you've used the mind, because all origins tap into the mind. You've tapped into the subjective of this working with this archetype. You've, you've given it power and energy, as you use the term here, tap into a deep enough level of powers that these forms manifest. So now you're drawing it from the subjective. And then it says, if you are successive of convincing the mind of this, the objective or the physical existence of the God comes into fruition. This is why I said in the beginning of the show, when we say all, all, all is mental, mental is all, first principle of Tahuti, people get confused because even though right here you're saying it's creating the illusion that something objective or physical is separated and has created you having this experience, it still, again, has its origin in the mind. So we're not saying that you can't have an experience with the archetype that you created or you can't have an experience with an ancestral relative that's connected to you by blood that creates this uh, personal contact that you've had, whether it's through vision, through astral traveling, through meditation, through a dream state. We haven't even touched on the dream aspect of chaos magic, which touches on all of this. Uh, but I'm trying to stay in format because we're probably going to do a two or three part series on this. We definitely can't hit this up in one night. This is, this is going to explain all that. So now you really understand when it, when it says all is mental, mental is all. You're understanding that from the precept that it all has its origin in the subconscious mind. It all starts there. Nothing can be conjured up. Nothing can be explained. 
you can't get to the root or the bottom of any of this until you understand how your mind works. This is what this is saying. And it only becomes objective or physical if you give it enough of mental power. I mean, how much simpler and clearer can that be if you're a magician working this path? This is important to understand. If you claim to be a black magician, then you need to know these concepts because this is how you work your path. All right, then it goes on to say, uh, let me get to this last part, and then we'll build on this a little bit. Yet the aim of invocation is, tempor- is temporary possession by the God, communication from the God, and a manifestation of the God's magical powers rather than the formation of religious cults. What do we always say? You must, at some point in the ritual, you must embody what that archetype or deity represents. See, a black magician works a ritual not worshiping or wanting to be just, just solely externally possessed by the archetype. They want to embody what the archetype represents. They become Anubu. They become Sakmet. They become Shango. They become Obatala, Kali, all these things. You embody what they represent. You become a physical representation. That's how you obtain the power. That's how you obtain the knowledge and the wisdom and the intellect to be able to carry these things out. It's that simple. Okay, then it goes on to say the actual method of invocation may be described as a total immersion in the qualities pertaining to the desired form, as embodying the aspect of the archetype. It didn't say worshiping it. It didn't say having it possess you so you can get a message. It said total immersion in the qualities pertaining to the desired form. So if you're sitting out to do a ritual and you're working with archetypes in this case, and your goal is not to embody what that archetype represents, you're wasting your time. It's just, it's, you're doing it for naught. All right? Then it goes on to say, one invokes in, in every conceivable way. The magician first programs himself into identity with the god by arranging all his experiences to coincide with its nature. In the most elaborate form of the ritual, he or she may surround himself with the sounds, and I want to talk about this a little bit, smells, colors, instruments, memories. This is powerful right here. Numbers, symbols, music, poetry that are suggestive of the God of quality. Secondly, he or she unites his life force to the God image with which he has united his mind. This is accomplished with techniques from the Gnosis. It shows different examples of how the maps of the mind and following different practical ritual invocations, all right? Uh, and this last one, hold on, let me see if I can finish this last section here, and then we'll build on this, yeah. This uh, last paragraph, an assortment of psychocosms or mental maps, magicians may wish to invoke some of the qualities represented by the symbols in each. I'm going to skip this part because it's got some symbols here that you can't see. Here's a good example here. We talk about everybody Everybody likes to, you know, in the conscious community, Horus is everybody's favorite, right? Well, working with Horus in chaos magic is a little bit different. Okay, it's not all the fluffy shit. Uh, but let me read this for you. Here's an example. Invocation of the war god, all right? I'm going to read this uh, out of, out of uh, the section of the book. The initiate stands in a pentagonal chamber lit by five red lamps. He is robed in crimson and the skin of a great bear or wolf. He is girded about with weapons of steel 
and the iron crown or helmet adorns his head. You see how you're taking the implements, what the archetype represents, you're immersing yourself in it. He has prepared his body by fasting, by rigors, by scourging, and possibly by stimulants. He, he has constantly turned his mind to things of Mars during the preparations. He casts sulfur, oak, and acarus resins into the thurible and anoints his body. I told you, it's not for the weak at heart. With tiger balm, he beats a martial air upon a drum to open the temple or else fires a loud weapon into the air. He has banished all foreign influences from the mind. But what means he may, a pentagram ritual can be used, etc., Drawing blood from his right shoulder with a dagger, he traces the sigil of Mars on his breast and the eye of Horus on his brow with a sharp sword. He draws the symbol of Mars about him in his mind's eye in the lines of crimson fire and visualizes himself in the form of the god Horus. Then he begins his war dance, while an assistant, if he has one, continues to beat the rhythm, apply the scourge, or discharge firearms. <laughs> Martial music may be played by some machine as he dances wildly to his god he chants. Lo, Horus, Horus, Horus to me come. Giba Razapi, thou art me Horus, I am the Horus. Thus he continues until the god take him into ecstasy. Note that any of these props can be dispensed with by anyone whose kia flows steadily into the willed artifacts of the imagination. There are no limit to the end Conceivable experiences into which the intrepid psychonaut may wish to plunge himself. Here are some ideas for constructing the ladder. I'm going to skip that. I use that one example. You get, you get the point there. That, for for Levon Noon, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where – I didn't see any of the fluffy shit in there with, with, uh, with Horace. Uh, that might sound a little bit bizarre, but let me, let me, let me finish with this. Then I'm going to build on this for a little bit. All right. So it's going to get a little bit more. Intense. Here are some ideas for constructing a ladder. They black mass as a blasphemy against the gods of logic and rationality. The great mad god is chaos. A lower aspect of the ultimate ground existence in anthropomorphic form can be invoked for her ecstasy and inspiration. Drumming, leaping, and whirling in free form movement are accompanied by idiotic incantations, forced deep breathing, is used to provoke hysterical laughter. Mild hallucinogens, be careful with this, such as alcohol, are taken together with sporadic grasp of nitrous oxide gas. This is just an example. I don't recommend anybody do this shit. Dice are thrown to determine what unusual behavior and sexual irregularities will take place. Discordant music is played and flashing lights blast. This is chaos here. Onto billowing clouds of incense smoke. A whole maelstrom of ingredients is used to overcome the senses. On the altar, a great work of philosophy, preferably by Russell, etc., lies open, or any other tome or book that you choose that ties into this. Saturn, the god of death, might be invoked in the following matter. The initiate first prepares himself by fasting, sleeplessness, and exhaustion. He retires to the chamber, which is near total darkness, being illuminated only by three sticks of a resinous cloying, musty incense. He weighs his body down by wrapping sheets of lead around his limbs, trunk, and head. Otherwise, his body is cold and naked. And to a slow, monotonous drumbeat, he conducts a mock burial of himself. With extreme caution, he may take small quantities of alkaloids. Then he meditates on himself 
in the aspect of a corpse or skeleton arising slowly from a tomb in a tattered wooden sheet, assuming his skith of office. It works of invocation. Nothing succeeds like excess. Okay? Man, uh, I don't know where to begin on that one. I don't know what you want to add to that, brother, but that's a lot there. Well, I'm going to go back to this ego thing real quick. Um, Let me just share this. The concept of the ego, the psychic structure of self-identification, beliefs, desires, and personifications, is recognized as the basis of our psychocosm. A curious misconception has arisen that the ego is a barrier to magical development that is somehow to be taken down or destroyed before one can advance, advance spiritually. To some, it seems that while Western development builds up the ego, Eastern approaches aim to uh, aim at ego transcendence. There's so much discussion of the higher self, which appears after the ego has been transcended. This is the common theme in so-called New Age thought. The psyche, however, is not a static entity. And this kind of ego versus higher self this ego versus higher self thinking is a carryover of the rationalistic mind body division. Attempts to get rid of the ego can easily result in a one sided development, fostering both self importance and a holier than thou attitude. Avoiding the so called dark aspect of human desire results in a shallow caricature of human potentiality, a blind, a uh, blandness which avoids plumbing the depths of the psyche. Clarity of thought, insight, and struggle are glossed over with a sugar coating of bliss. Now, I share that because when you were talking about the ego, um, I don't think a lot of people really have taken the time to understand the process of the ego. Because the ego is what makes a person try to transcend it by doing all these uh, extreme forms of fasting, extreme forms of, let's say, um, abstinence, Buddhism, you know, all these yogis, all these extreme things. And it's like they're trying to destroy their ego but never take the time to fully understand their ego. With chaos magic, it's about going deeply into the the abyss or the chaos or the darker aspects of your mind. To truly understand yourself is to truly yourself. The dark, the uh you know, the parts that are hidden and not um so available because we gloss it over or sugarcoat things or we want to be holier than thou. Now, this is important to understand when working chaos magic and working with archetypes if your ego now is holier than thou, and now people may not understand that that's what they're doing but if your ego is holier than thou and you are so transcendent then these people when they work with archetypes tend to uh become to hoodie rabe and they're extreme ah. with it that they actually think that <clears throat> not in the sense of working your magic that you embody the energy and the qualities of Tahuti, but they actually begin to think they are Tahuti. Now, understand the difference. I'm not saying 
that you don't have the ability or power to embody the qualities and attributes of Tahuti. But to think that you are some ancient Tahuti incarnated now walking around and that you're teaching some profound knowledge, <laughs> excuse me, that is what you would call the higher, the higher, um, excuse me, the holier than thou ego where I'm better than everybody because Tahuti came to me and gave me the knowledge to teach everybody else, so submit to me. See, that's a dangerous game that people play because they're not, they never took the time to understand their ego. Just as holy as yours, just as full of shit as you are. <clears throat> but when you go into the deeper psyche of yourself and the darker aspects, you understand all your bullshit, your issues, your drama, your drama, your darker side, and how that's just as relevant as all this sugarcoating you do about who you are in this uh, objective world. So, when you work with these archetypes, now, there's something key that Benini shared and said. Uh, when you, are, let's say, you're working with whatever, let's say um, set, so took, right, and you're working with that, the way I commonly will um, embody that energy is not so much just say or call or um, evoke or invoke set. Rather so, I become set by saying I am set, and then I will list my attributes as if I am set, not saying, oh, set, come to me and all this. I mean, I understand why it's done like that, but in my perspective, I'm becoming set, so I will take set and put him in the affirmative as if I am set in itself. So I will say I am set, the, the, the God of isolated consciousness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how I go into working the magic, and it seems to be more effective. Now, people could try it and do it how they feel, but when I'm embodying, I want want to be them. And I'm not trying to distinguish the two for that ritual, that, you know, that uh, magical intent that I'm trying to pursue. I'm not trying to distinguish the two as if I'm still different. I am that which is in being embodied. I am that which is being evoked or invoked. So the difference is I'm not trying to separate. So when you work your magic, you become that. For example, in chaos magic commonly, you can take anything and make it work. One of the things that we work with, um, and we shared this on shows before, is the Sith aspect of the Star Wars saga. How do you actually become a Sith? is you embody and invoke the qualities and attributes of what the symbolism or the uh, archetype characters represent. So in other words, if Sith represent power and passion, then you embody power and passion in everyday uh, walk of life. You don't just say, okay, well, just in this world, I'm going to empower you know, uh, embody myself with the power of the Sith and just be passionate and powerful for the ritual alone. No, it becomes an everyday attribute that you con- kindly and often connect with because it is a attribute you- that you already have by nature in you, and you embody that every day, and you become that. In other words, set to isolated consciousness. I'm not just set isolated consciousness for that ritual. I am set because I'm isolating my consciousness on an everyday affair 
throughout my separating myself from the masses of the, you know, one track minded, this is the way and the only way type of mentality. So I become set in everyday process. The ritual for me, for Beniti and for others who are working this, does not stop just after the ritual. The ritual continues in your everyday affairs. Because what people commonly forget is that in order for magic to be effective, uh, that includes chaos magic or any other form of magic, you have to have an objective or physical component to it. I cannot say I want to meet somebody who could be an investor in my business, and all I'm doing after the ritual is sitting home for two, three days straight and never going (laughs) out or to locations that this can be uh, become a reality by going to events or, or networking connections or things like that if I'm just sitting my ass at home. So it's like in chaos magic, you embody the chaos every day of your life and everything and anything you do is coming from the chaos of your mind that is ordered by your will and determination. That's right. That's right. Excellent, excellent point. Um, so we're going to go into one more section, and then in about 10, 15 minutes, uh, we'll go ahead and go to the phone and take calls from 1030 to 11 uh, before we wrap it up. Um, so we did invocation, evoc- I'm sorry, evocation and invocation. Uh, so I hope now we're clear on that, how, how that works. Um, and, again, this is just a general idea. Remember, the key is on this path. You, you create, make adjustments, and it even said that here from what we read. Feel free to add, take away, make adjustments, et cetera, when need be or when the impulse comes to. Or you might find, this is why I love chaos magic, is you might find the time that you go into it, you just on the fly just change everything at the last second. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Um, go with that. Don't, don't go against it. That's part of that immerse, immersing yourself completely in the experience, surrendering. It doesn't mean surrender like, or be going to things completely stupid and ignorant. That's not what it means. Because obviously when it said you are a balanced individual, use the term psychocosmic, you are balanced, you're knowledgeable and educated. You've now prepared yourself. So all of that trying to over-intellectualize shit and figure it out and equate and put all the shit together, that should be out the window because now you have confidence. So it doesn't mean go into it completely ignorant and stupid. Obviously, you should do your research and, and educate yourself beforehand, but once you've done that, that's it. It's done with. Um, so this is all part of that process. So, again, you, you, you're going to find you make adjustments in a lot of these rituals on the fly and never go against that because it tends to always work out, you know, beneficial for you uh, because you're usually tapping into – the energies and you're catching a vibration or a frequency that's inspiring you to do whatever it is. Because again, I've, you know how many times I've gone into a ritual and I'm not saying I wrote it out and planned it thoroughly, but I've had a general idea of what I do. And then as I'm doing it on the fly, I just completely just the whole thing could have did a 180 on me, a 360 sometimes. It just, it just all depends what you are doing. Okay. Um, so always feel free to add, take away, and change. That's a good thing, especially with chaos magic. All right, so 
uh, let me just slide over here. Uh, let me see what other topic we can go into. I don't want to get into the dreaming and the mind control because that's, that's, that's a section in itself. Uh, there was one here, sorcery too. I think we'll do that on the next one. Um, chaos. Yeah, was that it? Hold on, where was it? They once, uh, hold on, I lost my spot. Okay, yeah, liberation aspect, which which comes right after this. We're going to finish with this one here. All right, this is, how does liberation tie to chaos? Because with chaos, there is liberation, Okay. Remember, you hear the term in a lot of these spiritual orders and magical systems and different spiritual paths, out of order comes chaos. What does that really mean, though? It's a term that sounds spiritual. It sounds deep. But can you as a magician, have you made order out of your personal chaos? Can you say that? Can you, can you look, at, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I, I, I've, I've tapped into that deep inner chaos about myself and I've embraced it. I've worked with every aspect of it. The stuff that wasn't pertinent for me, I, I, I utilized it and made it work for me. The stuff that was there that was chaotic about me, that, that was my strength, I, I, I utilized it even more to make me stronger. That's called making order out of chaos. This is what this means. It's not just talking about, uh, you know, a deep phrase because it sounds spiritual. You see this, 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 that, that phrase in a lot of different spiritual systems, alchemy circles. You'll see that in a lot of spiritual alchemy, mental alchemy. Uh, that's used in, in the alchemy circles. It's definitely used in the magical circles. Um, so this is what it means. That, that order out of chaos is that liberation. So let, me, let me give you uh, some examples from the liberation section of the book. All right, in creating life out of the primeval slime, Chaos is always sought to increase its possibilities of expression and to diversify its manifestations. During the evolution of life, there have been many stagnant periods and some reversals, but overall, the inherent superiority of the most flexible, adaptable, inclusive, and complex creatures, cultures, men, and ideas always wins out. To seek these qualities is to achieve more liberation than any bizarre feat of renunciation or reorganization of political power that is likely to create. It is a mistake to consider any belief more liberated than another. Mm. It is the possibility of change which is important. Every new form of liberation is destined to eventually become another form of enslavement for most of its inheritance. Adheritance. There is no freedom from duality on this plane of existence, but one may at least aspire to choice of duality. Liberating behavior is that which increases one's possibilities for future action. Limiting behavior is that which tends to narrow one's options. The secret of freedom is not to be drawn into situations where one's numbers of alternatives becomes limited or even unitary. There is an abnormally difficult path to tread. It means stepping outside of one's own culture. Oh, shit. Society, relationships, family, personality, beliefs, prejudices, opinions, and ideas. We've said numerous times on this show, when you're, especially when you're doing a greater black magic working, all the aforementioned, you just got, that's all got to be, you got to just totally eliminate all that. 
let me say these are hard for people to do. You got to eliminate whatever culture you were raised up in when you're doing a greater black magic working because on the subjective, the shit is all relevant. Relationships, family personalities, beliefs, definitely got to stomp those out because that's going to hold you back. Prejudices is another one because you might start tapping into shit. And if you have those personal prejudice hangups, it's going to be hard for you to deal with. Opinions and ideas, and opinions, as we said before, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. You understand that? So you definitely need to check your opinions at the door when carrying out some of this ritualistic work. Because on the subjective, the ice, tapping into the isolated consciousness, tapping into that real chaos, there's no limitations. There's no boundaries. There's not a beginning and an end. There just is. And when you're dealing with just is, different levels of existence and vibrational frequencies and energies, be prepared for anything and everything. So this is why I say check all that shit out the door because you might have a personal belief or opinion on something that's going to limit you and technically it's going to hold you back from getting to that point. This is what this is talking about. And this is sometimes hard for people to do. And I'm not talking about people that are brand new to the path. This is still sometimes hard for people to do that have been on it for a while. They think they've mastered this part. They think they've gotten well beyond it, and this is not a hindrance to them. Now, they think that consciously, but they don't realize the impact and the trauma that it still has on them subconsciously because they never really went into the depths of their chaos to address the shit. So the shit starts compounding and just building up and building up and building up because of neglect. What happens when you neglect anything? You just totally ignore it, and you know it's a problem. You neglect it. It just starts to build up and become a bigger problem till eventually it just explodes. You understand? This is what this is talking about, okay? All right, then it goes on to say, it's just these comforting change which seem to give definition, meaning, character, and a sense of belonging to most people. Yet in casting off one set of chains, one cannot avoid adopting another set unless one wishes to live in a very reduced and impoverished style, itself a limitation. The solution to become omnivorous, someone who can think, believe, or do any of a half a dozen different things, is more free and liberated than someone confined to only one activity. Okay, think of people spiritually. Let's look at your average religious person. They do the same shit all the time. They go to the same boring fucking service every week. They hear the same repetitive shit year in and year out. Nothing changes. just might slightly be worded different year after year. They read the same shit over and over. They've become so structured, you understand, that there's no liberation in anything that they do. They're not liberated. They're now conformist and they're controlled by this ideology that's got them like program puppets and robots. So this is what happens when you're confined to only one activity. And we always say, don't become an exclusive member of any of these Mickey Mouse clubs. When you exclusively become one thing, you just cut yourself off from everything else. So if you want to exclusively be a Muslim, if you want to exclusively be a Buddhist, if you want to you know, exclusively be a Wiccan or whatever the fuck it is, whatever title. So the other thing is, you mentioned the term above, 
makes people and keeps them in a comfort zone. See, human beings have a mind that operates on a level. They need to have a title on something to eliminate the fear to make themselves feel comfortable. Not only the individual, but how that individual is projected to other individuals. Because you ever come across somebody and you're on this path and they might see you wearing a symbol, it could be a pentagram, it could be some symbol. That, what is that? And then the next, what, what, what are you? What do you believe? That's my favorite question. What do you believe? What's your religion? And you tell them, I don't have a religion. I don't believe in any of that shit. You know, and then they go, well, what? They go, well oh, oh, my God. Well, then here's my next favorite one that usually follows. Oh, so you don't believe in God? No, I am God. Oh, well, what kind of crazy, crazy. See, that individual is, you just took that individual out of their comfort zone. Because you, they couldn't categorize you and put you in a box and put a title on you so they can feel comfortable, so they can avoid dealing with the chaos that's deep down within them that they felt arising because fear set in because they didn't know how they could identify you and then how they are supposed to identify with you. See the game? See, this, this, this becomes a problem, and this is what people tend to do. And all of that really is is not addressing their personal fears which is part of that inner chaos. People have a lot of phobias and fears, and they mask it with bullshit. You can't do this. You understand? For, let me continue on. For the reason Sufi mystics were required to master a handful of secular trades in addition to their occult studies. Chief among the techniques of liberation are those which weaken the whole of society, convention, and habit over the initiate, and those which lead to more expansive outlooks. They are sacrilege, heresy, iconism, bioaestheticism, and anathemism. Okay, anything basically that's not conformed to society's norms, and that's what the set mindset represents. The complete opposite. Set represents not conforming to any of those things, not 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 going along with everything that society goes along with. You understand? Every time you rebel, okay. Okay, every time you rebel, all right, uh, Brother Ravana Noon is going to step off for a little bit because uh, he's losing his voice, so we're going to go ahead and excuse him uh, before we wrap this up, um, just, just to let everybody know. He's he, uh, trying to get his voice back. He had a little a bug that he's taking take care of, um, so he's going he's gonna to go ahead and step off. Um, you want to say something before you leave, brother? Not really. Just uh, you doing you representing this show real good tonight. Just keep doing it. I'm I'm gonna keep All listening right. on, on the chat room. So. All right. All right. No problem. No problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So this is what. Any time that you have your own opinion, it's so funny how some people, when they don't agree with something and they could quote unquote rebel, it's acceptable. But then when somebody says something that they don't like, then they want to point the fingers at that individual. Anytime you go against the norm, you're tapping into what we would call a set mindset because that's what set represented. The symbolic story of set, you know, warring with Horus or Heru, that's symbolic of that internal war that goes on with you, with you wrestling against your true self. Set represents you rising up and not being a pussy. 
And it represents you not just going along with things because everybody else is going along with them. And see, that's what the Osirian cult was trying to do. They were trying to bring structured establishment. They were trying to force everybody to do the same thing. And people from the set mindset or the set cult said, no, we're not down with that. You can do what you guys want to do, but we're not, we're not conforming. We're not, we're not coming up under that. That's what the story really represents. That's what you need to focus on <clears throat> when you're looking at those things. Okay? And if, and if you can't put that into its proper context, you're going to struggle. You understand? You're going to struggle with it. Trust me when I tell you. You're going to struggle because I've seen so many people try to come on this path, and then that religious mindset starts to slowly creep in, and they wrestle, and, they, and then they turn around and they'll come in and say, well, you know, why am I not getting results? Well, this is why you're not getting results, because you haven't really tapped into the chaos. It's not that what the system represents isn't, is not working, per se. You understand? That's not the case. What it's basically saying is there still might be certain aspects of self that you have not addressed correctly. Certain things that are there, I mean, we could term it blockage, whatever, whatever you want to call it, but obstacles that are self-created that are lingering there that you still, you still just haven't even addressed and you pretend like you have, but you really haven't. So these are important things to keep in mind. Again, we've only touched on just, and remember, this is an introduction to chaos. I want to make that crystal clear. We haven't really even gotten into the, the deeper, intense aspects of it because, remember, this, this is not <laughs> mentally, this is not something that's just for anybody, again, to, to kind of just work with. It's, it's something you definitely want to educate yourself to. Um, it's something you definitely want to study and research. I want to stress that. Um, I don't recommend, again, if you're not in sound mind and sound body, to to uh, basically, you know, work with this stuff. Um, and if there's any doubt, by all means, that's your answer to maybe hold off for the time being. Um, so that's very critical. Um, so, again, what I want to do uh, before we go to the phones, uh, just real quick, uh, make some of the announcements that I made earlier. Uh, before I forget, um, June 17th, uh, that is the uh, date that we uh, moved up the uh, drumming that was uh, postponed from last Saturday due to the, uh, due to the weather. So that will be uh, Saturday, June uh, 17th at uh, 7.30 p.m. in uh, Pompano Beach, Atlantic Boulevard, A1A. Anybody is welcome to that event, uh, family, friends. Um, so feel free to join uh, for us at those events. On the 23rd, uh, June 23rd, Friday, 7.30 p.m., uh, the ritual of the Holy Death, uh, invocation of the Holy Death, uh, cultural expressions in Hollywood, Florida. Start time, 7.30 p.m., uh, dress code strictly enforced. Uh, will be turned away if you are not in proper dress code, which is, a black robe or all black. If you are female and do not have a black robe, you can wear a black dress. Uh, you can wear black pants, a black blouse. If you're a man and you do not have a black robe, you can wear 
black pants and a black shirt. Uh, no shorts, no jeans, and no T-shirts. Uh, very simple rule, uh, very easy to follow. Uh, the next day on, on Saturday, June 24th, 7.30 p.m. at Cultural Expressions, we'll be doing a class on destruction and uh, reconstruction. Uh, we'll go a little more in-depth than that. So those are the upcoming events. Uh, also, uh, let me remind people again next week, um, on the 22nd, we will not be doing a show uh, due to the fact we have the uh, ritual and the event the next day. There's just too much uh, work and stuff to do the night before. Uh, so on the 22nd, we will not be on the air. We'll we'll come back the following week on the 29th. Uh, but we will remind again everybody next week. We're just throwing it out there now this week uh, so everybody is aware. Um, like I said, we've had problems with the board tonight, so we have just several calls on the line. We're going to just take, uh, you know, a couple calls that we have here. Uh, and again, I want to apologize. I know people had contacted me uh, throughout the show, sent emails and stuff that they were having a hard time, um, logging in. It wasn't recognizing the pen, like a couple of things that, and they kept, uh, you know, signing out, signing in, still having problems. Again, sometimes this happens. I know we're in the we're in the we're in the patch of bad weather, um, and sometimes it happens. Uh, we don't have no control over that, unfortunately. It's just something that happens once in a while. So again, again for those that could not get in tonight, um, as I said before, the show is our archive. Um, you can, you know, uh, fifteen twenty minutes after the show is over, it posts. So. You know, you'll be able to go in there and listen to the recording. Um, again, we don't really have any control uh, every once in a while when we have this uh, little technical problem. All right, so what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to go to the phones. We don't have too much going on in the uh, chat room. Uh, uh, the name of the book, you know, some of the comments. Um, the name of the book, and I know uh, Duma 730 had typed that in uh, earlier. Uh, again, the author is Peter J. Carroll. Uh, that is the author. And the name of the book is Liber Null and Psychonaut, An Introduction to Chaos Magic. The publishing company is Wiser Books out of San Francisco. Uh, you can get this book on Amazon. Uh, you can just Google it. It'll come up in the uh, multitude areas. Um, but, again, I would recommend, again, if you read this book, Okay. Absorb it and ingest it and take it in. It gets into a lot of intense stuff. And I we only read a couple small excerpts of some of the some of the rituals in there, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So um it is a two volumes. Uh that uh, keep that in mind. The two volumes are in the one uh book. Um so keep that in mind because I said this book was printed twice. So make sure you get the one that has the two complete Two complete volumes. Make sure you get that one. Um, so when you're Googling it and looking for it, make sure you don't get that first printing. That's not going to have the two complete volumes in it. Um, sometimes when you're doing it so fast, you don't pay attention. You might order the older version. Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, but, again, ingest the book. Take it in because um, there's a lot in there. Trust me when I tell you there's a lot in there. Um, okay, so... Yeah, earlier I see another comment uh, by Acid Jazz Guitarist. He put a good comment in there. This person, he or she put, yeah, but crazy people never think they're crazy. And that's true. Um, because then the question really arises, what, what is crazy? 
It's perception. Everybody has their own perception of what crazy is because what might be crazy to one person may not really, the next person may not perceive that as crazy. So when we when we get down to these terms and definitions, everybody's going to have their own, uh, you know, take on that. But that's, 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 that's a good point. Uh, crazy people, you know, never think that they're crazy because they don't perceive themselves as being crazy and, and things that we're not maybe fully conscious or aware of, we might define as crazy. And that's just unfortunately um, how it works. All right, let me, um, uh, let's go to the phones here. Let's go to uh, AKA Roz. Are you, are you there? Can you hear us? Your phone is muted. You have to unmute it. Can you hear us? Anybody there? AKA Roz. Hello, 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 hello. Anybody there? I hear some background noise. We might have problems getting on these phones. I'm going to try a few more uh, with all the nonsense we got going on tonight, technical difficulties. Uh, let me see if I get this brother here. Uh, Duma730, can you hear me? Hey, brother, how you doing? Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, yeah, we got you, man. I just want to get fired. At least you're able to get through. Uh, so what's going on, brother? Talk to us. Um. Just listening to the show, um, was uh, I'm really intrigued by what I'm hearing about uh, the invoking. You explained a lot that um, and clarified a lot uh, about that that uh, that subject. Because I've mm-hmm. never had a real clear uh, understanding, if you will, of, of uh, what invoking as opposed to evoking was. Um, right. You know, coming from certain schools of thought. That I mm-hmm. come from. Um, right. I realized that uh, what certain people were doing were evoking certain energies, but you weren't privy to knowing about that um, right. in certain other uh, schools of thought that I've uh, been uh, involved with. So right. it, it just uh, brings everything full circle now. And that good, you know, good. everybody can everybody actually has access to it. Not that this is one person who right. you know was sent special or anything like that. Of course, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, and, and I'm glad you you know you presented it as that uh, being able to di- differentiate because uh, I'm telling you, some people I've literally run into some people that kind of think it's the same thing, and it's not. Um, and it's important to understand how to put both of those things in perspective, especially when you're working these type of, um, um, you know, rituals, um, because they, they're both different systems and they both play an integral part in how you work and utilize the evocation and the invocation is very detrimental to the effectiveness, uh, you know, of the rituals you're carrying out. And, you know, the other thing you say, which is funny, you know, I, I, I've been saying this now for the last couple of years, the day of the conscious pimp is over. Uh, yeah. There's no, there's nobody out there that, I don't care, male or female, that exclusively has the answers to all the questions. See, people join a lot of these groups and organizations uh, uh, because they, one, first and foremost, they're insecure. And remember, talked about that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've found over the years, especially with melanated people here in America, and again, this this only applies to you if you know, like 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 Shinehead said shit years ago. If the shoe fits, wear it. 
Right. I've I've noticed a lot of melanated people in America. They're lazy. They want everybody else to do it for them. So right. they figure if they join some group or or or, or dogma or spiritual system where somebody promises them eternal salvation uh, in the afterlife or on some planet or whatever, uh, right. they they basically feel like they bought their salvation. Right. They, they don't have to do the work for it. Exactly. Know, and. The, this path shows you you have the ability to be a, and the power to do whatever it is you need to do. There's nothing nobody can tell you that you can't do for yourself. So, right. so you know, the, the illusion is if I can create this illusion, and this is how all these groups over the years have worked. I don't care who it is, Yahweh Ben Yahweh, Nation Islam, the Nuwapians, all these groups work on the preset. It's always centered around some central, central figure or leader, and they're always connected with some divine being or they are an incarnation right. of that divine being. But here's the trick. Here's the pimp game. And this is why I say the day of the conscious pimp is over in 2017. There's always this thing like, I know something you don't know. And if exactly. you don't stay loyal, you'll never get that great secret. Mm-hmm. And I've said, I've said to everybody for years, the great secret is, I hope everybody's listening, listen close. Here's the secret. There is no secret. <laughs> If I, if I can create the illusion that there is one, then I got you hook, line, and sinker. And that's and I the think form that's, of mm-hmm. – go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You didn't. Go ahead. That's the thing that I think that's uh, – that, like, is a blower to most people when they come out of mm-hmm. out of that uh, state after being there for so many years, and just it blows you to, that – you either sitting in a lodge on a Thursday waiting to hear some mm-hmm. great secret or some other thing. And, and never you know what I'm saying? You coming every Thursday. Okay, I'm. this is going to be the week. This is going to be the week. And you never hear it. Right. And, you know, it, it just blows you. And then and then when, when the individual, he or she, if you belong to any of these uh, Mickey Mouse Club groups, when they make the decision to actually move on because – it's run its course, like you said, and they're not getting what they thought they were getting. Then the other psychological trick is the individual is ostracized and demonized. Oh, you're not loyal. You're this or you're that. See, that's part of the psychological ploy. See, one thing that's even more difficult to overcome than physical slavery is mental slavery. Because when you got somebody enslaved mentally, the physical body is just going to follow right in line. So you don't, you don't got to work on the physical you, when you captivate somebody's mind, you captivate their emotions. And the other aspect that a lot of these dogmas use is the fear tactic. From religion on up, religion on down, there's always this fear factor. If you don't stay loyal and you dare step out and do your own thing, something catastrophic is going to happen to you or something right. bad is going to happen to you. Or, 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 but that's part of the tactic to keep you mentally enslaved, to keep you loyal. You understand loyalty is a motherfucker and it's, it's loyalty is what keeps these concepts alive because it's so dependent on the individual's loyalty. Now I always ask this question to people, any of these organizations, I don't care if it was from back in the day, like I said earlier to Yahweh Ben Yahweh, the minister Farrakhan, any of these groups, whatever group, ask yourself this question. Does Minister Farrakhan need the Nation of Islam members more than the Nation of Islam members need him? Because there is no Minister Farrakhan without the Nation of Islam members. 
Right. You understand? Something you got to meditate on. What keeps that concept going are the members. So I bring that up. If you were an individual that was belonged to an organization for many years, you were what kept that organization alive because there's always that concept that in order for it to exist, it works two ways. Mm. You understand? It's not just it's not just the one flow. It's not just oh well, what's making this all happen is the divine leader that's making all this happen. No, that's not that's not how it works. What's really giving life to it are the unfortunately. The, the stupid loyal followers that are blindly loyal but are not looking at it in its totality. So the question is, these leaders, gurus, and conscious pimps, they need you more than you need them, but you don't look at it that way because you fell for the trap and the illusion that they hold some great secret, and the only way you're going to get it, that you need to be a part of it, and you need to be loyal, and like you just said, you, you go week in and week out, and you're, you're loyal, and it never comes. Right. That's, 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 that's part of the fuckery. Um, so, yeah, in this day and time, it's 2017, baby, man. It, psh, day of the conscious pimp is over. If you're still getting played like that, I don't feel sorry for you. Right. If you're still getting used and abused like that, anybody listening, you bring it upon yourself. You deserve it because if you can't see through that ignorant shit in 2017, man, there's something wrong with you, man. Something, that's the only thing I can tell you. Something wrong. Uh, but anyway, not to, not to stay on that too long. Did you have anything else you wanted to add or any other questions or comments, brother? That is basically it, brother. I'm just thankful that you guys uh, have this radio station and uh, opening people's minds up to this uh, this level of, of uh, consciousness, consciousness and uh, this uh, self-awareness about no uh, things that they can do and go beyond themselves. So I'm just thankful for that. We appreciate it, brother. We appreciate you listening, uh, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you. All right, peace. All right, uh, we got three more calls on the line, and we're gonna wrap it up um, due to the problems. Because, uh, like I say, man, it's it's crazy shit going on tonight. Uh, next caller, I'm gonna go right in order. Uh, Texas Tree Hug, I think that's you. Uh, we'll bring you in last, and I got Smiley with the locks. If uh, you're still listening, we're gonna bring you in. Second. Uh, next call I got in the queue is Kareem Wise. Can you hear me? Kareem Wise. Anybody there? Kareem Wise. All right, going once, going twice, going three times. Kareem Wise. All right, nobody there. Like I said, again, I apologize to people having, having problems with the phones and people getting in. Um, so I can't guarantee you when I go to you, we're going to be able to lock you in. Um, Duma 730 was able to get in. He was fortunate. Uh, so far, it's the only call I've been able to get in. Let me try smiling with the locks. If she can't get in, I know something wrong. And, uh, hold on. Smiley with the locks. Can you hear me? Peace. Okay. We got you. Are you local? So you might be lucky. What's going on? Talk to us. What you got for us? Um, as usual, great show. Um, it's so weird that you was uh having class on that book because that's been sitting in my Amazon queue for a minute and I guess uh, that means yeah. that I need to go ahead and order it. That's what that says to me. That's uh, right. <laughs> um because I mean like that's it's been there for like months. But I also wanted to uh give me one second. You know, hook my phone. Uh reference another author who I think is excellent. 
um, I read. I have two of his books. Um, I have to read them in doses uh, because it's it's just that it's just that deep, sort of say. Um, uh-huh. He's. I think he's a German, and these books could have been written in the 1940s. Uh, if I found uh-huh. them, you should still be able to find them. And the one in I'm speaking of for tonight is the practice of magical evocation. And with you speaking on um, uh, the book for tonight, it it would go very nicely with this book. Okay, so that just gives them, you know, another idea, another avenue. But they mm-hmm. are so similar in topics. They just they very similar. Um, but you will get something, I haven't read the one in question, probably a little different or a little bit more Um, Mm in-depth. Just to give a little background on Franz Barton, um, Hitler, Hitler um, was after him because that's how powerful he was uh, with his mind into doing what he needed to do magically, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bringing things forth and, you know, with the evocations, right. with bringing things forth and sending them on their way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I thought well, that's that a good point. Yeah. Really cool. yeah. No, 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 no. That's a good point. Good point. Good point. Anything else you want to throw in there? Uh, no, Maybe I did think. have something else, but I can't. <laughs> it, well, it left right. me as the, as the night went. But um, okay. oh, great show. Great show. Great show. All right. Well. We and Ravana don't get better if he's still listening. Nah, he uh, he gone. He was in the chat for a while. He uh, yeah, what I was dealing with a few weeks ago, man. They got they got some shit going around, man. This this damn. Uh, I was having the same problems. He's got the issue with his uh, you know, just his voice. Yeah, thing. yeah. You know, it's just going around. I don't know what the hell they got going on. Um, one thing I will recommend, um, and we had talked about it. Um, I will recommend, because um, I, I was on uh, the antibiotics, and uh, I was taking probiotics, the live bacteria probiotics, the one that's refrigerated, and I stopped taking them for months. And I noticed that when I stopped taking them, and as I was explaining, I just didn't even realize I stopped taking them, just getting caught up in everyday life when my supply ran out. Um, I just never, never re-upped on them. And I noticed when I was on them, I didn't – have any like as far as colds and any of that shit um i wasn't getting any um so after after this last bout um because i do get a little problem with sinuses too um when i was done with the dose antibiotics i went back on my probiotics been on for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. um and i could definitely feel the difference so i would suggest people man you know get that good bacteria in your system because a lot of these flus and viruses that go around their bacterial infections and that probiotics puts the, you know, the good bacteria back in the body. Um, you don't just need to take mm-hmm. it after antibiotics. It's just, we lose that good bacteria on a regular basis. Exactly. Um, yeah. But don't get the cheap shit. Make sure it's the refrigerated kind, the live kind that's got to be refrigerated. That dry shit is you're wasting your time. It's garbage. Don't uh, call for the advertisement. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they advertise. So, they well, they advertise on TV. 
I've noticed is the stuff that you can pull off the shelf, and that's I've that's wasting that. your money. You want to waste money? Give it to me. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen the commercials for it. It's some cheap generic shit. That's mm-hmm. uh, like you say that you can get, you know, right right there on the shelf. Uh, not that kind. Go to go to an herbal store or, or the only chain that don't carry GNC and don't carry the only big chain that carries it is Vitamin World. They actually have the refrigerated kind. GNC, GNC not is not really a vitamin shop, and people no. need to understand that they need to do their research on GNC. You don't do mm-hmm. GNC. Yeah, don't 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 go there for that. I guess the only big chain I know that carries it, and I actually go there to get it because it's convenient, is uh, Vitamin World. They have a whole refrigerated section of just probiotics, and they they carry a multitude of brands. Um, so yeah, just uh, just want to throw that out there because of Ravana Noon's situation, and you know, um, in my experience, that's like I said, I just I noticed that recently, and again, as I said, I stopped taking it. And the first thing I do, I get up in the morning. You don't need to have any food in your system when you take it either. You can just take it. So I've got myself trained uh, when I get up first thing in the morning before I head out of the house is I uh, make sure I take one. Um, and at least get, you know, three to five billion live bacteria. So make sure you read your bottle. Um, there are some out there that's crazy expensive where they want you to take like three and four a day. Uh, pff, shit, I wouldn't recommend that unless you don't mind. I, I can't do the taking three four. I, I got to be on some one-a-day shit. Like, I, mean, I just ain't got time to remember to take it, you know, two or three times a day. So, you know, do your research on it. Um, but personally, I would suggest and recommend it uh, as a good thing for everyday maintenance for your immune system, for your body, um, except especially with all this shit going around. It just seems like this last couple of years, there's just more, uh, you know, viruses and bacterial infections going around uh, more than anything. Now, viral infection is a little different because that's different than a bacteria infection. Viral infection is usually more serious and usually requires more intense medical. Uh, but bacteria, you can you can control that. That's something you can, can pretty much control on your own. Um, but anyway, I don't know. We now we turn this into a doctor's class. No, nah, I'm turning into a doctor's class. But I want to say this uh, before before I am dropped off the call. Yeah. Is that um. When you guys were speaking of uh, off the cuff, sort of say um, rituals or magical workings, however you want to label it, um, I can agree. I can attest to that, and I would like to add: if your intuition, <coughs> whatever you want to call it, is telling you to move, you need to move. Go with the flow, because trust me, nine times out of ten, nah, ten out of ten is for your benefit, mm-hmm. even if you don't Good understand point. it. Because it just, it happened to me this week, last week, it happened to me. And it was just, mm-hmm. you just have to go with it. And if you trust yourself, uh, don't question it, because then, then you're really putting um, shit in the water. But um, That's true. just go with it. Trust me, trust me. Y'all know I'm new on this path. I'm not having been here forever, but I, I'm learning to just go with my intuition and just ride it, and it it has benefited me greatly. So um, mm-hmm. even if you feel as if uh, 
like you just need to do something, like you just feel like you need to do some protection work, do it. That's what you need to mm-hmm. do, and you need to do it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as an Good example. Point. Yep. That's what I say. All right. Well, we appreciate it as usual. Appreciate you tuning in. All right. Peace, everyone. All right. Peace. All right. We're going to bring our last caller in. Let's wrap it up real quick. Let's bring in, if uh, hopefully we can get her in. Let's see if it works. Uh, Texas Tree Hugger, can you hear me? Greetings, brother. Okay. What's going on? And I know, and I heard that you said, uh, brother, Ravana, and in the song, with the well wishes. Uh, in his health. Um, yeah, I'm so glad to be with you today, and I, I agree. The show is just great. I'm learning something new all the time. Uh, the comments that I had, I knew you were talking about um, transubstantiation. That's what it is. It's a motivation right. to do something. That's what Correct. Sister uh, Smiley Solace just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Uh, it leads into uh, my comment that I had that I wanted to make about chaos. Chaos is—it's just you know—and and she said it succinctly. It's just best to deal with it um, mm-hmm. by going with the flow because everything's just going to work itself out no matter what. That's right. That's right. You know, if hey, you can hey, what, just what, 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 allow yourself uh, to relax with it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. It's going. Well, here's the thing. Like you said, it's going to work itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's two ways it's going to. You're either going to cooperate with how it works itself out. When I say cooperate, I mean kind of work with it. Yeah. Uh, but it's still going to work itself out even if you resist it. And that, that, tend, that tends to be a little more difficult. Uh, okay. But it, like you say, in the end, it's going to work itself out one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, you can get bumped and bruised if you want to. I mean, like I said, you know, if you, if you resist it, you can get bumped and bruised. And, That's right. You know, you may be like thrown down a, a an experience if you resist mm-hmm. it. But if you just right. slow with it, then you can breathe a little. You, you know, it's going to be a little tense, intense, but if you can, it'll allow you to just breathe and kind of relax through it as much as possible. That's right. From point to point B, unbruised, un- like you could, I don't know what that feels like, but that's the metaphor that I can see in my mind mm-hmm. um, when dealing with that. Um, are, you on a, are you on a cell phone? Because you kind of go... I am. Okay. I am. Right. No, I've never heard that before. But anyway, you, you, you're you good now, but okay. you just went in and, you went in and out really bad. Um, so, I, again, I don't know if it's just uh, like what we got going on tonight. But anyway, you're good now. We can hear you. Okay. Um, so, and then the next comment I wanted to make, because there was a comment about crazy. You know, we talk about crazy, and, you know, I, I kind of chuckle because I have, through my adventures in life, I've been called crazy. And, right. and I kind of look back, I step out of it, and I look back on it, I'm like, hmm, you call me crazy? You know, I've always pretty much gone against the grain. You know, if everyone's going left, I'm going right. If everyone's going right, I'm going to go left. I've always That's been right. that way. That's and right. So if someone is calling me crazy, then I base that on the fact that they're not comfortable. And they're not comfortable. And you, and you talked about that a little bit. But, you know, they're not comfortable where where 
and because they're comparing themselves to me. Uh-huh. And they're trying to find their identity or, or or make themselves feel good based on the comparison between themselves and me. And I represent what's not comfortable for them. I represent what they're not willing to reach for. Exactly. I mean, think about this for a minute. Usually, and you might have been the person that did it too, um, you know, back then before, quote, unquote, you were aware. Um, But usually somebody will quickly call somebody and go, oh, man, you're crazy. They'll say that because there's something that you did or said that doesn't line up with their personal ideology. So we're quick to just write them off as crazy because now ask yourself this, who's really crazy? The person you call them crazy or the person that's calling the person crazy? Think about that for a second now. Really it's the person that sometimes jumps to conclusions and calls the person crazy because you're crazy for calling them crazy because they just may not agree again with your personal ideology, your personal belief system, your personal way of viewing life, the way you see things. So that person's crazy because they don't see things the way you see things or do things the way you do things. So now all of a sudden they, so that's why I said earlier, what really is crazy? It's a matter of perception. Now I'm not talking about a person that has walk-ins that you see walking the street, speaking to themselves, doing crazy things. That's, that's not really crazy. That's a different issue. You understand that's an individual that tapped in to certain spiritual energy and they overloaded their subconscious mind. And now they have all types of walk-ins and different energies constantly coming through them and they just don't know how to simulate them. That's more of a medical and dealing more with the higher spiritual issue, dealing with the psych, you know, the, the psychotic or the psychological aspect of their mind. Um, but again, I've found some of those people, and I've actually sat and talked with some of them. I've, sat, I've found some of the people, uh, I mean, years ago, I, a lot of war veterans I used to know on the Lower East Side of New York that were addicted to heroin because uh, they came back from the war and they were addicted to morphine. And obviously that was the drug of choice because they couldn't get the morphine anymore, so they went to heroin. I've sat down and talked to people high on heroin, um, you, you know, who are in these crazy states, and I hate to say that. They made more sense than some people that are not in their right frame of mind. So this is why I pose the question, what really is crazy? And when you say that to me, that takes on a whole different persona because I found out people that think that those that think they're normal, they tend to be more crazy than crazy. But what they're determined determined is fucking crazy. So, well, yeah, anyway, it's a good point. I just want to throw that in there. No, no, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, I just uh, would just say that uh, I'm going to definitely seek out um, the books that were recommended. Yeah, uh, I would. The, you know, the the other thing that I can say that I learned, and this is the last comment that I'll make, when uh, y'all, both you and Brother Ravonna and you were talking about vanishing, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that when you, when people are working with those clearing energies, that they are clearing Everything in sight. That's correct. That's correct. I I, I never thought that. I mean, I I don't work in that aspect of vanishing, but just the whole thought process about it. I mean, you know, then 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 you lose connection. You can lose connection that way. I I just. Well, this is what I was saying earlier. It's your mental approach to it, right? So, for an Mm -hmm. example, if you're going into a vanishing and your mind, you got thoughts running through your mind that I'm banishing everything from this space. 
you're doing what you just said and what Ravana Newman was talking about earlier. You're basically eliminating everything. See, when I'm going into a banishment, what I got running through my mind is I'm just – look at it like you're, you're doing spring cleaning. You're cleaning – your oven is dirty, and you're cleaning your oven to get it clean. That's how I approach banishing. So, for an example, if I'm getting ready to pull down certain energies or archetypes, what I'm doing is just cleaning my space to prepare anything and everything that's going to come through. I don't care what it is. I don't ever have the thought process running through my mind when I'm banishing. If you're saying stuff like, I, I'm, I'm making sure no negative or evil energy comes through, then you're, you're defeating the purpose. I don't look at it as bad when I'm doing a banishing. I look at it, it's just like you've got a, you got a smudge mark on, on the mirror. You just, you're, taking the, you're taking that Windex and that cloth and you just want to clean the smudge mark. That's it. All I'm doing is keeping my space prepared and ready for whatever is going to come through. Um, and that's it. It's that simple. So you eliminate everything if you're approaching it, the banishing from the mindset that oh, I'm wiping out everything that's not, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's detrimental. So you don't want to do that. Um, so I'd recommend, especially on this path, um, again, people that are trying to eliminate that's more of a Wiccan concept with white magic you'll find, and a lot of Wiccans approach banishing like that uh, when, they, when they do the banishing ritual, that they're removing this, this energy that supposedly is not productive uh, you know, to what they're doing. A black magician, again, works with everything, and, and they know its place, and they know it serves its purpose, but the key and the challenge is educating yourself for the time and place to use those uh, particular energies. That's all. Well, you know, uh, you, when you were just talking about that, because I just said, you know, I, I, I can say that I do it my way. I do it my way. And the way that I've always done that is you know, I, I filter um, what I allow in my, in, as much mm-hmm. as I can, that I'm, as I'm conscious of. Right. I filter right. what comes in. So, but if there's a thought, let me cancel it right there. I don't allow it to in- Come into my my consciousness, right. so I, right. I cancel it there and I send it away. So that I guess is my form of banishing. I don't I don't let it to come. I aim not to have it into my system. Right. Where I have and to and now wipe it off. Right. <laughs> and, that's, and, 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 and that's fine as long you know as long again I always tell people simply if you're getting results mm-hmm. that's fine because people mm-hmm. always ask what I never tell anybody what they should and should not do never. Right. Nobody should ever tell anybody what they should and should not do. Because one, you're going, to allow, you're going to find out a person's going to do what they want to do anyway. I don't give a fuck who it is. That's number one. Number two, it's not our, our you know, position to do that because that's not what this path is about. Because if we start telling people what they can and cannot do, again, then we're back to square one structure and religion, religious mentality and way of thinking. So I simply tell people when they ask what they should and should not do, do whatever it is that you get results. If you get results from that or anything else, then that's what you do. It's that simple. Because if you still feel the need that somebody needs to package something up for you and present it to you, like here is the package of what you should and should not do, then then you still got a long way to go as far as growing on this path. Um, But, yeah, that's that's fine. You You do what works for you. Absolutely. Thank you. And if that helps anybody, what, what I just said, if it helps you to get to the point where you can just take some things off the surface, 
mm-hmm. and so you don't do it incorrectly, then maybe that might be an option for you. True indeed. True indeed. Thank you so very much, Glenn. I no really problem. enjoy. We appreciate you tuning in, and as usual, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in again for any of the events. Uh, June 17th, the Drummond Invocation of the Holy Death on the 23rd. The uh, class on the 24th. You can email me at khnum19 at gmail.com. We will get the flyers over to you. It has all the information that you need on there. Um, so drop me an email there. Uh, you can also go to my YouTube channel, Mother Nubia Inc. Uh, there's a ton of videos on there uh, with the same subject matter that we talk about here on the show. And all the shows are archived uh, there on the Mother Media Angels and Plus page. It's pictured right here at TalkShoe.com, uh, where you can also go into the archives and listen to all the previous shows. You can also drop us a line on the Awakening Universal Minds Facebook page. Any comments or suggestions for future shows, feel free uh, to drop by there also. Again, I want to apologize for the uh, technical difficulties this evening. Uh, for those that could not get in and listen to the show, um, again, apologize for that. Uh, not because we have control over it, uh, apologizing for whatever issues that talks you had, uh, and hopefully we don't have this problem next week. Um, we will do a continuation. We're going to do a second part uh, and possibly a third part to this series. Uh, uh, definitely going to do a second part because we've only uh, scratched the surface on Chaos Magic this week. Um, and some other areas we're going to get into next week. Uh, so we're going to leave it there for this week. Again, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, special thanks to our international listeners. Uh, I know sometimes we forget to mention you. Uh, shout out to all the people in the Caribbean, uh, St. Vincent, Trinidad, uh, Jamaica, United States, Virgin Islands, St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John, Canada, France. Uh, we got listeners now in Ghana. Uh, Australia, uh, Jagasu and the crew out there. We appreciate you guys listening in. Um, I don't know if I missed anybody. I might have on the international level, but we do appreciate all of you listening uh, internationally. I know you can't get in and the chat or on the call, but you do live stream it. Uh, we get those stats after the show post. Again, for those that had difficulties getting in, uh, as soon as we uh, wrap it up here right now, uh, usually post within 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, the show is archived. You can go listen to the show uh, along with the other shows in the archive. All right, so we appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see everybody next week, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Peace.